0: Hello and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. We're your hosts, Jill, Gracia,
1: Dave, Don, and Steve.
0: And today, on this gloomy Sunday morning, we are bringing you a fun story about the Iceman from Dave. But before we do, our drinks of the week. So uh, we were going to do a um, blueberry muffin martini, but it turns out that the liquor list it requires is only available in montana craig and i kind of looked everywhere even total wine but we couldn't find it so (laughs) no drink of the week this week sorry friends we'll have to do better next time
2: i did actually get a blueberry soda though over in Hannaford's. it's from a main brewery i'll have to send a picture to gracia it was actually pretty good
0: yeah i got a blueberry juice downstairs in anticipation of the (laughs) drinks but just didn't work out oh but we had kombucha blueberry ginger kombucha yesterday too that was good but that's it so Mm -hmm. so anyway do you want to kick it off Dave sure
2: so today we're talking about Richard the Iceman Kuklinski in the 1940s young boys had many hobbies fishing stamp collecting listening to radio broadcasts and going to the cinema were among the most popular hobbies of children in the silent generation Young Richard Kuklinski, though, didn't care much for the theater. His yellow brick road as a child was finding neighborhood cats, and he would tie or duct tape their tails together so he could hang them over clotheslines and watch them rip each other apart. Dad.
0: Dad. I couldn't help it.
2: (laughs) When he couldn't find two cats, and he could only find one, his father had an incinerator in the basement, and he would put cats into... The incinerator and watch them try to escape. That's convenient. Yeah. These are real. <laughs> so animal abuse starts his life. He would grow up to be one of the worst mass murderers, nicknamed by law enforcement as the Ice Man for reasons we'll discuss. His murders and subsequent stories have been the subject of folklore and debate. There is no question he was a mass murderer. But his claims of how many people he killed, and even his claims of his having ties to organized crime, have actually been disputed by law enforcement. And many other people who have looked in have sided with law enforcement. Some people don't agree. We'll talk about that in quite a bit of detail. It is fair to say that Richard Kuklinski was not only a murderer, he, he is a pathological liar. He gives interviews, and there's actually a long series of uh, interviews you can find them on YouTube. They're called the Iceman tapes, and some of what he is saying is actually demonstrably not true. We'll talk about some of these over the next couple weeks, including you know things like killing people with rats and stuff like that. And th- those are actually demonstrably false claims that he's made. But many of his claims are true. So we'll examine them both. Richard Kuklinski was born in New Jersey in jersey city is the second son of stanley kuklinski who was a polish immigrant and anna mcnally who was the daughter of to irish immigrants this lovely couple would have four children total two of them would grow up to be convicted murderers one of them did lead a relatively uneventful life and the fourth they murdered which <laughs> leads us to the first debated story about the iceman florian kuklinski was the oldest brother R- richard He was born in 1933 he died in 1940 and his official cause of death if you go to findagrave.com is listed as pneumonia according to richard however florian died after being thrown down the stairs by his father anna pretended to be distraught and convinced the police that florian had been sick and just simply fell down the stairs yikes Now, in the 1940s especially, the police probably, unless they saw obvious evidence of foul play, would probably have not done that thorough of an investigation. And
0: you were even allowed to, like hit your children, right, with the rule of thumb and stuff like that, like...
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, the rule of thumb was for wives.
0: Oh, right, right, right. right, Sorry. But, yeah, so they may not have looked into it anyway, right, because technically you were allowed to do it.
3: No, there was a lot of child abuse going on, physical and otherwise. yeah. Yeah. And it was never really looked at.
2: Very shortly after, Stanley will move out of the house, but he does come back on occasions when he basically is Kind of a father that doesn't live with the family, but comes and goes as he pleases and is extremely abusive when he comes. The mother was an extremely devout Catholic. And she was also physically very abusive with the children. She would use brooms and broom handles and various other household objects to discipline the children anytime she thought they were doing something that went against Catholicism.
3: That wasn't so unusual in those days. The nuns would actually hold seminars on the use of certain weapons on children.
0: What, really? Mm -hmm. Is that true or is that bullshit? It's bullshit. Oh, okay. (laughs)
3: I was in Catholic schools. The nuns would,
0: but they they did do corporal <laughs> punishment. Like they would, oh yeah, yeah. So that's why I thought maybe it was true. How to like beat your children? As far as Same I know, out. they like, didn't give <laughs>
3: lessons. But I, I'm sure when the kids came home and said, you know, Sister Mary put these electrodes on my groin and,
0: dad,
3: that the parents would pick up on that, and then no, no, they wouldn't.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> Dad's lying. What?
3: They were pretty abusive, the nuns in those days. Yeah. Uh, there's enough beatings, believe me, How and they weren't border. with electrodes. No.
0: I raised two boys, and I well, I never beat them. I get the urge.
2: Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, the Kuklinski parents certainly got the urge, too. Uh, <laughs> 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 Stanley was known to be an extremely heavy drinker and he was an extremely violent drunk and would often go after the children with really no provocations. And of course we already talked about the mother and Richard was at one point actually an altar boy. So it is very plausible that the mother was extremely abusive as, as a means to keep the kids Catholic. One of Richard's stories, too, as he gets older, involves telling one of his victims that, who was saying, oh God, oh God, and he says to the victim, you believe in God? And he says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a half an hour to pray, to God, and maybe God can change your situation, and you'll live through this.
0: Oh, nice! And so he
2: sat next to the guy for a half an hour and told him, "I guess God's busy today." <laughs> <laughs> so he wow. does have a sense to you. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like god so. wow. you today, everybody.
2: Yeah, <laughs> not today, Satan. Yep. So. He, he does have an animosity towards religion throughout his life, so it's probably this part is very true about his mother. During an interview with his psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Dietz, this is in the Kuklinski tapes that I already mentioned, Richard describes a transformation of himself that he says takes place in his teenage years. He says that while he liked torturing Uh, small animals as a child, he actually had problems standing up to actual people. And he says that there was a group of neighborhood bullies that called themselves the Project Boys that in particular he was having difficulty standing up to. One of these boys, he claims, was named Charlie Lane. He said Charlie Lane would often bully him. And one day he said he sees Lane walking alone. So he grabbed a wooden dowel and ran after Charlie Lane and beat him to death, although he says he didn't intentionally kill him, but what he learned from that day, as he puts it, is that it's better to give than to receive.
0: agree. <laughs> oh, now, that's not that uncommon, right? Didn't Jeffrey Dahmer, wasn't he bullied too, even yeah. though he was like also killing animals and stuff?
2: Yeah, so in antisocial personality disorder, a lot of the abuse towards animals is kind of the first thing, but a lot of the people who are doing that actually don't yet have the ability to actually get into any type of confrontations with other people. And that tends to come later and in some cases it, you know, they they go through life just really other than the people that they sneak up on and victimize
3: avoiding a lot of confrontation. it hey, dawns on you one day you know you know what i, I get this to fluffy and got away with it hey oh, wait going. a minute
2: yeah. anyway <laughs> good sorry. point it yeah. also dawned on him probably and because the as we'll talk about was a very big man. This is not a small person. So he's not somebody that I would recommend trying to bully, even when he was a kid. He was, you know, he grew up to be six foot five, so. Wow. Um,
0: 300
3: pounds. Yeah. You, somewhere? yeah. Yeah, he
2: was huge, so. 300
0: pounds of, like, spaghetti or, like, muscles? You know, he was muscular. Oh, yeah. wow, that um, is intimidating. Man, yeah. yeah. 300 pounds of pent-up rage, too.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. True. <laughs>
2: So, it's also important to know. most sources actually do seem to believe this story. This is another one that law enforcement says is not true, and we'll get into more of the stories that law enforcement claims aren't true, that I think there's actually very substantial evidence that they are. So but I'll point that out at
0: this point. Well, was this Charlie person dead? So,
2: they never found a body of anybody named Charlie Lane, but this is something that Kuklinski says, too. Kuklinski says he dumped him in some sort of river, and to his surprise,
0: law enforcement,
2: to his knowledge, never found him.
0: Well, what about Charlie Lane's family, though? Weren't they like, where did he go?
2: So, that's the claim that law enforcement makes. Law enforcement says there was never a missing person filed for somebody by the name of Charlie Lane. Maybe he
1: heard his name wrong <laughs> well, <laughs> before he or, killed him. You
2: Remember, this was 1940. <laughs> this was 1940, and Charlie Lane was involved in no computers.
0: So parents were like, oh, my kid never well, came home. Uh, <laughs> well, New Jersey.
2: It's 1940, Jersey though, City. so. <laughs> Jersey City, and he was involved in gang activity. It sounds like mm-hmm. so. So
0: this wasn't like schoolyard times. It this was well, like a adults. He,
2: he would have been. So this was. He said it was in 1949. So Kuklinski would have been 14, but we don't know how old Charlie Lane is. The interesting thing, law enforcement says there's not a missing person related to Charlie Lane, but I've never seen them actually say there was no such person named Charlie
0: Lane. Mm-hmm. Okay
2: so because that's something you could verify too right birth certificate yeah i mean was there a person by the name of charlie there does seem to be from you know not necessarily records but there does seem to be cooperation of a gang calling themselves the project boys so this is in the jersey city projects so um not a nice place obviously a lot of gang activity even in the 40s so. I think they call
3: them the Proud Boys
2: nowadays. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so Excuse me. Klinsky stopped attending school in eighth grade. And he became a strong pool player and he was known by many as a hustler with a short fuse. He meets a woman who's ten years older than him named Linda, and the two quickly marry and have two children. Pool playing though isn't quite a steady enough income and he finds work as a truck driver when he is working as a truck driver there is a secretary at this company named barbara padrisi i think is how you pronounce that she's seven years younger than kuklinski he begins to have an affair with her and then he leaves his first wife and marries barbara and that's a person he'll stay married to after his arrest Linda had always been pretty private about ever having a relationship with this individual, but...
0: Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) But Barbara wouldn't. She actually gave quite a few in her about her relationship. Of course, there was a lot of questions like, how did you not know your husband was doing all this? Right. And I think she she legitimately didn't, I believe. And I think she did want to kind of say, listen, you know, this was the situation. We'll talk about her situation as we kind of go on, but... You know,
3: I seem to remember he didn't like to be questioned.
2: No, and I could see being afraid of questioning him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so.
2: But pool playing and truck driving, it's not enough to support the family. So Richard starts working for a video production firm, and this is where his life of crime is really going to take off. It's here where he says that he started taking, basically, his job was to produce videos, and he was basically making and selling illegal copies of the videos that he produced. So he started off with Disney movies, but then started doing pornographic films. Naturally. Yeah. And he would go to, like, the, you know, the strip clubs and stuff like that and sell all these pirated porn movies. One of these strip (laughs)
0: clubs. What? I feel like that's a natural progression. Disney to porn.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're not into Bambi's room? Dad. What? (laughs) She died. He loves Bambi. (laughs) Come here, dear.
0: Dad.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, while he's doing these illegal pornographic films, he is obviously taking these to strip clubs. One of these strip club owners has a debt to a man by the name of Charlie DeMeo. Roy DeMeo, rather. Roy DeMeo is a member of the Gambini, Gambino organization. And so what this basically, according to Kuklinski, happens is that Kuklinski sells these illegal porn tapes. This guy's in some debt. So he basically says to Kuklinski, basically convinces him to front him some of these tapes so he can take them basically to DeMeo as kind of a... Hey, I got this operation going on. I'll get you your money. Can you give me a little more time? Here's something to show you what our operation's doing. And DeMeo took an interest in the tapes. And so DeMeo then becomes acquainted with Richard Kuklinski. Now, law enforcement dismisses the claim that organized crime would have had any interest in Richard Kuklinski. They basically say, you know, why would a wise guy, you know, want you know, some eighth grade dropout who just makes videotapes. I totally disagree with this. First of all, they don't require, like, that you have a master's degree and you graduated cum laude in order to be in the mock. That's <laughs> um, most likely true.
0: But, but right. I have a question, like, what year are we in? Because We're
2: in the early 70s who, at
0: this Who point. are they selling these movies to? It's not like everybody had home movie players, right, at this point so where um, was the money actually, coming tapes
3: from tapes started coming in oh really
0: yeah. okay i so, thought that was more like in the 80s kind of thing um
3: no
2: <laughs> so yeah <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't born until 78 but yeah i mean this Me would either. have been the early 70s and these were they were definitely pirated tapes
0: so, so. there was like really a market for it then
2: Apparently, you know, it, obviously in the elegant high class of the Jersey strip clubs, <laughs> yeah. there's there's a good market for these pornographic
3: I know tapes. very definitely by the late, I was a member of Lizer's Sound, which did all kinds of movies, and yeah. that was the late 70s. So, and I'm not sure that yeah. these
2: are, I, I'm not sure that these were standard V8, VCR tapes. Yeah,
0: some like, other kind of yeah. player. Sorry, so, I was just curious.
2: Yeah. Why?
0: So, because I want to fact check Dave
3: so yep. So, porn tape,
0: like well yeah. b- okay sorry I don't want to go off on a tyrant but they're making they're selling porn and Disney films in strip clubs so I can see the porn well but so I, the he Disney started films? with
2: the Disney and then he found that, that he had a better market for the porn
0: well um, obviously so
3: he wasn't <laughs> <So> he, selling <laughs> the Disney <laughs>
0: well that's why I was like who's buying it? like, no.
2: so he started with the Disney and Apparently, well, he figured he could do well with the Disney because everybody loved the Disney. Right. Uh, it, uh, it's a, probably not easy to find people looking for pirated movies. You know, like you go into a kindergarten and it's like, hey,
0: Yeah, Nick, I know. Yeah. You
2: know, but. <laughs>
0: so that's this, why I was curious. I was like, well, who's he selling these to? Pirated <laughs> copy of Snow White and the
1: Seven Woods. Mm. <laughs> <Wars. laughs> they kept running into the snag of, I got to ask my parents.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he eventually moves stage. away from Disney and goes into the porn where you can go into like a strip club. Uh, go to the parents directly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you go to the parents directly and you know, you have Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs too.
3: Uh, <laughs> Ooh, that was Rome's a good
2: one. <laughs> I, I love midgets. <laughs> I'm not sure midget porn was actually out in the 70s.
0: Midget porn? <laughs> it's
2: like, do you guys ever watch Amish Mafia, though? No. It's like the scene where the like there's this supposed Amish Mafia members. He's like this short person. I'm not sure it's appropriate to refer to them as midgets anymore.
0: But... I think they're little people now or okay. something. Little people.
2: So,
3: <laughs>
2: but this guy's in the Amish Mafia, supposedly. So he takes like a sledgehammer to some guy's car. And there's a bunch of witnesses coming out. And when the guy comes out and looks at his car, they're like, yo, there was like this Amish midget.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I wonder how big our midget demographic is. (laughs) Little person, I think.
2: (laughs) All right. No, we're talking about mesh midgets. But basically, Richard Kuklinski's physical size. You know, there's an old cliche that says if you go to prison, you should find the biggest, baddest dude and start a fight with him. Mm-hmm. If you went into the Trenton, New Jersey state prison while Kuklinski was there, the biggest, baddest dude was six foot five, just under 300 pounds, and would kill a person with less remorse than the average person would have for taking the last candy out of the candy dish. Yeah. So I would... Tend to recommend maybe finding the second biggest baddest dude <laughs> in that prison, but just his physical size, I could see, and the fact that he's clearly willing to break the law
3: would have gotten some interest from Roy DeMeo. You know that really came across really good on those tapes you were recommending on YouTube. Is just watching him, you got this sense of deadliness. I mean, that that man comes across as
0: pure evil. Oh.
3: Yeah. And at one point, you remember the psychiatrist was like, are you mad at me? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> he had this click. When he yep. when he got pissed off, he would click. Oh. Then you knew you were probably only had minutes to live. Wow. But, uh, yeah, he was an interesting character. But anyway, it comes across on the YouTube.
2: Yeah, you can tell. I mean, you could tell just by looking at him that if he was willing to break the law at all, if you were a wise guy, yeah. You might want him in your operation now. Mm-hmm. Technically, I think DeMeo's not yet a wise guy. He will become one, but he's not yet. He's just an associate also, yeah. at the Gambino family. I think he gets made in 78 or 79, so this would have been a little bit before that. But, you know, I, I mean, definitely. And then you get to know the guy, and he's clearly willing to kill people. So what Kuklinski says was his basically... His interview with Roy DeMeo was they DeMeo drives him into some random neighborhood, and there's a guy walking his dog, and DeMeo tells him that's you know your target. Kuklinski says he, the only question he asked was basically to make sure he had the right person. He walked by the person, turned around and shot him right in the back of the head, and then DeMeo comes up, drives up, and just they leave the guy's body right there on the sidewalk and they drive away now this is again a lot of these are disputed stories I don't I don't know if this one is true, honestly. It seems a little far-fetched that they would have just gone into some random neighborhood and shot somebody just to see if he'd Well, isn't
0: it, that but... something gangs do now, even? Like, in yeah. some gang some initiation?
3: didn't, though. Drive-by, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. But the gangs it's...
0: got that idea from somewhere, right? In, in the yeah. movie, David, they, it was a homeless person. It was person.
2: a homeless person in the movie, but in the interviews,
0: that's he, he said, said it yeah. was a guy
2: walking his dog.
0: What happened to the dog?
2: I think they would have just left it there, (laughs) so job uh, is Cujo. <laughs> but you could still be homeless and still have a dog to walk. That's true. It's true. That's yeah. right, yeah. But, the yeah, the way they depict it in the movie is that there was a beggar that came up to the car. This movie, I think, was the Iceman... I'd have to look. This is the movie we're referring to with Winona Ryder. There were actually several movies made about the Iceman. The one with Winona Ryder is probably the best of all of them. And in this movie, though, they depict that DeMeo brings him him out to just an alleyway and there's a homeless beggar. And so DeMeo gives the guy a quarter, tells Kuklinski to go kill him. Kuklinski walks over to him, basically gives him a dollar, and then starts shooting him. Um,
0: The name of that movie is just The Iceman, it looks like. Yeah, (laughs) so
2: that movie's just titled The Iceman, and it stars... Winona Ryder, and I think the person who plays Kuklinski is a known actor. but Michael Shannon.
0: Michael mm-hmm. Shannon. Yep. So. When did that come out?
2: Early, early last decade,
0: maybe? 2012. Yeah.
3: yeah. Pretty creepy.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yep. So. He played him well. I mean, he, Chris, he did. Man Chris really Evans well. is in it, and Ray L- L- Liotta. Yeah. yeah. Chris James Evans Franco. is an American guy. He is,
1: yeah. Guy, yeah.
0: <laughs> and David Schwimmer from Friends, so it looks like <laughs> quite a varied cast. Mm. Anyway, sorry.
2: So Kuklinski, at this point, despite what law enforcement says, you can look at the pictures of him and the purchasing of his home, too, and you can kind of tell he's actually, he's got to be getting money somewhere. He purchases a very nice house. If you look at pictures of him from, you know, 75, 76, that time error, he's dressed in suits that are very clearly not cheap. You know, he's driving a town car. So, you know, he's not getting this just making illegal copies of movies. So you know, regardless, let's talk a little bit more about DeMeo because this is where his biggest claim is and let's talk about the Demeo crew and who these people were. Roy Albert DeMao heads a group of mob killers known as the Demeo crew. They under, operated under the Gambino crime family, which we'll talk about quite a bit in this um, cast. And they are known for a fact to have killed 38 people, not including DeMeo himself, who they also killed. They are suspected in killing as many as 200. Like many claims made by Kuklinski, law enforcement does strongly refute that he was ever involved with the DeMeo crew. Let's take a look at that claim, the supporting evidence that supports it and refutes it. First of all, we talk about the how he came into knowing Roy DeMeo. We've already talked about that. That actually seems corroborated. DeMeo did do a lot of collecting for the Gambino family, and a lot of it was in the New Jersey strip clubs and stuff like that, these sheet, shady establishments. Where people would oftentimes go to loan sharks or whoever else under the Gambino family. Obviously, the size, as we mentioned, would have been an interest of interest to him. And Richard Klim斯基 knew some details about what took place at the Gemini Lounge, which we're going to talk about in a minute. That, and he knew what it looked like inside. There was a lot of cooperation that he had been inside of the Gemini Lounge, and that he knew the specifics of what's referred to as the Gemini Method. Now so the Gemini Lounge, which you can still visit today, it's located at 4021 Flatlands Ave in Brooklyn. Alright, let me write that down. Okay. <laughs> it's where the DeMeo crew did most of their murders and they had a specific method for murdering people. Then the basically there's a bar on the downstairs and then there's, there's like a the upstairs apartment. They would lure the victim into the upstairs apartment, and as you're coming into the entranceway, you can't really see well into the apartment. So as you come in, a shooter would emerge and shoot you in the back of the head and then immediately wrap a towel around your head, while another assailant would stab you in the heart. Now, the stabbing in the heart was done basically to cause the blood to come out in a more controlled mechanism so once your heart starts Stop. beating blood stops spurting out of arteries it'll still you can still get splatter and stuff like that but it doesn't spurt all over the place
3: write so that down.
1: so why not just stab them and eliminate the shooting of the hood
2: so they want to make sure you're dead so you miss the heart right? on the first staff.
1: you can miss you the know. head too
0: <laughs> no, it's hard to miss the head if
2: you're point blank range.
1: oh point blank okay
2: yeah yeah he'll you'll kind of come through the doorway he'll emerge and come right behind you shoot you in the back of the head and then they'll put the towel around your
3: gotcha. head so Yikes. you know that both the Gambino and the DeMeo family were represented on the Sopranos
0: uh I didn't remember that but I'm not surprised I to hear it were, yeah
3: so if you look up the Sopranos <laughs> um, and say, what are the families that were represented on The Sopranos? You will see Gambino. And, yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: So yeah, they, the the Gambino family was one of the five big families in New York in the seventies okay. and eighties. And they're gonna be their authors of their own demise, but that's to some extent a little bit outside of what we're gonna talk about. All although right. we will get into a little bit of it. You but, can
3: always watch Donnie Brasco.
2: Yeah, so anyways, back to the method of the Gemini Lounge. So after they've basically shot the person, wrapped the towel around, stopped the heart with the stabbing, and then they will, what they'll basically do is they'll bring the body into the bathtub. They'll kind of let the bo- blood pretty much drain out of the body, and then once the blood has... the most part drained out they start dismembering the body and they will cut off you know like the hands and they'll put them in separate they'll basically dump the body parts in separate locations so you basically can't identify who this person was so you have the head in one place you have the fingerprints in another place you know so and they basically dissect these people's bodies now a person like Kuklinski would certainly have been ideal in this because even most thugs would have a little bit of difficulty just cutting apart a body.
0: You would think, yeah. yeah.
2: But somebody like Kuklinski wouldn't. He just has no emotional feelings one way or the other. He has no sense of empathy at all. So it doesn't bother him to do it. I mean, he doesn't feel the thing to understand about Kuklinski, he doesn't feel powerful from killing people he feels nothing and it's a big difference between some people who kill because it makes them feel powerful they get this rush he just doesn't feel anything one way or the other
0: wow
1: there's other hobbies
2: geez yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's other things you can feel indifferent about right yeah
2: so I'm very much like Aaron Hernandez in some ways you know there's a lot of like parallels here like when you think about Aaron Hernandez who you know, goes from a mansion to a nine by thirteen cell and doesn't seem to care. Well, was, mm-hmm. he has no emotional attachment to people, places, and things. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, and the same thing with Kuklinski. He just can't develop any type of emotional. Doesn't care about anything.
0: Yeah, we really so, should cover Hernandez one of these times. We should. But, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. So they just left him like that. They didn't cover him. Mm-hmm. Wah-ha-ha.
0: Wow. Oh, uh, very funny. Uh, you can tell it's a good joke when everybody
3: is <laughs> <laughs> looking at each other. And wow. Stares at you like you're
0: <laughs> fucking crazy. We're like, what? <laughs>
2: So now law enforcement indicates that they believe that in most of these cases, DeMeo would be the shooter and a man by the name of Chris Rosenberg would typically be the person tasked with stabbing the heart. I'm not going to go into every single member of the DeMeo crew. Several crew members that were involved did testify to this, including the testimony of Frederick DeNome, who was a mafia mob member who turned government witness, and he he really minimized the involvement of any persons that were still alive at the time that he was speaking, number one. So he he's gonna sure he can name DeMeo because by the time he turned government's witness, DeMeo's dead. Yeah. He can name Rosenberg because Rosenberg's dead. You don't just not name somebody just because of fear of them, too. There's a important thing to note here that if you give credibility to somebody who may also talk about something else you might have done. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like, yeah, never heard of anybody named Kuklinski. That way, if Kuklinski ever said you did something, right, there's no credibility to it. So it's not just about I'm afraid of Kuklinski. It's also that too. So, Kuklinski also would have never been anything more than an associate. Obviously, he is of Polish descent. In fact, they called him the Polak, according to him. So, obviously, he cannot be made. He can't be a wise guy. Yeah, he's like a soldier, right? Yeah. He's, he's um, even lower. He's yeah. the butt of he's every an joke. associate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, you basically... It, and just for the listeners, when, when somebody says wise guy or maiden man in when they're talking about organized crime, this is the lowest level of a person who's actually a member of a crime family. Above that, you can become a... There's one path between that and boss and underboss. I can't remember the. Come, it's come a consigliere. Consigliere. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the name of it.
0: I'm glad to know that there's career progression there. There <laughs> is.
3: There, there is. is. There there is. is. Yeah. There's room for
2: <laughs> <laughs> advancement. Only if you're down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have you To down. be Italian or Sicilian, though, on the Gambino. I
1: wonder family. if they have 360
3: reviews.
0: So. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> do they have like an annual review process where <laughs> they, you know, they set yeah. goals
3: if, for their year? If you're still alive for next year, you know, you this year, my friend.
0: <laughs> so,
2: yeah, but underneath that, they have associates. Now, associates is an interesting thing because you can be associated with a gang, like the Gambinos, even if you're not of Italian descent. So you can still work for them. As some associates work exclusively for one crime family. Some. Kuklinski says he mostly worked for the Gambinos, but he did work for other crime families. Kind as of well.
0: like a consultant.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a consultant and. You know, if you're a made man, obviously you're not allowed to go working for another crime family unless the order came directly from the boss. But if you are just an associate, you are allowed to do that. And so Kuklinski would have only been an associate. So he did not been any hugely important figure in any of these groups. But he could have been given a lot of work to do.
3: Mm. So... I see him as I know a soldier is also part yeah. of that. Is probably at that level. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. What do I know. I,
0: I, we have no idea what you know. Uh, now let's talk
2: about Mr. Kuklinski's favorite person outside of his family. He
0: meets a nice gray man.
2: Oh. Drives a Mister Softy truck. Nice. nice. So I and, love
0: ice cream, you know,
2: he, in his interviews, he seldom,
0: Mr. Softy's delicious.
2: <laughs> yeah. Is, so there's a Mr. Softy ice cream truck. And mm-hmm. in his interviews, Kuklinski seldomly shows any emotion, but when he does talk about Robert Prongay, the driver of the ice cream truck, he actually gets quite giddy.
0: Oh, what's um, his name
2: again? Robert Prongay. So we'll get into that because Richard pronounces his name prong. But we'll get into this. So Richard really never had a good father figure and uh, to look up to until he meets Robert. Robert was a military trained man. He worked as a hitman. And he would fill these empty voids by showing Richard, you know, all the things a father should teach their kids. Like how to kill people with cyanide, how to use explosives. He also taught him that freezing bodies and then thawing them later would throw the investigators off the time of death.
0: Wait a minute so did he really drive an ice cream truck too yes he mm-hmm. did
2: wow <laughs> and so the ice cream That's truck up. is actually well, and quite...
0: mr. Softy is like ice cream like you can disperse ice cream it's not like the ice cream trucks around here like it has like yeah like, and he like did he, he does like sell ice wheel.
2: cream out of the truck
0: <laughs> yeah but it's like dairy cream on wheels it has like ice cream you scoop not ice cream like frozen bar you know what i mean like i think mr softy's different
3: Still, just <laughs> don't no, forget where you put them on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Still, I don't, right. I don't think well, that there's makes it no okay. Mommy, there's well, doesn't, a doesn't in my go. It doesn't make it okay. It's just interesting that we're, there's no freezers in there, it's a different atmosphere. So, was no. it
1: just soft serve ice cream, or did they have hard yeah, ice cream it's too? Soft
0: serve ice cream. Yeah,
1: stopped.
2: but also remember it was in the 80s, but yeah, so, so they had to yeah. have some storage area. So, so
1: it's better to have Mr. Softies than Mr. Hardy, <laughs> you can easily easily get that ice cream out. That's and get what she
0: said. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah, Kuklinski and the ice cream, oh, well, the, the ice cream, cream truck man. basically serves two purposes, and it's actually kind of clever. So you think about this, if you are stocking a target, You'd like to be able to go into a neighborhood and drive around slowly mm-hmm. so you could actually follow somebody. So that was the purpose of using the ice cream truck for the most part, is that nobody would ever suspect anything's weird, that you're just an ice cream truck making stops. Yeah, yep. no
1: kidding. So Plus, you get to play that music.
2: Yeah, you get to play the music, and you know, as Kuklinski says, you know, we loved it. It was crazy. We'd sell kids ice cream and then maybe kill a few of their
3: parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's genius. Perfect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I keep thinking how Dave, you were saying like they didn't have to have master's degrees and you know summa cum laude, but it sounds like they had the potential. Oh, some (laughs)
2: of them did. Yeah, I mean this this, this is is clever. I mean it's it's, but he was a military person with a military background, so obviously they think about things like how to. You know,
0: I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I don't think about how to assassinate people because I'm not Steve. <laughs> but I don't know that I'd come up with the ice cream truck.
2: <laughs> so yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> Mr. Softy, though, he apparently doesn't really know who he's dealing with. Kuklinski says that Prange accosted him to kill his wife and son, and according to Kuklinski. He says he would not kill a woman or child. We'll get into this in a Ooh, minute. Standards. Um. <laughs> when he refused, Kuklinski said, basically suggests that something about Prongay's demeanor bothered him. So the next morning, he snuck up on the vehicle and shot him twice and just left him there. Law enforcement says... This didn't happen. He was never charged in the death of a man by the name of Robert Prongay. And let's go over who Robert Prongay factually was. And this is all confirmed. Uh-huh. Robert Prongay was the name of the man of a man who drove a Mr. Softy ice cream truck. He was found shot twice in the back of the head and leaning across said ice cream truck. In the middle of New Jersey, one of the Jersey cities. Honke was awaiting trial for making terrorist threats against his estranged wife and their son at oh, the time wow. of his death. That all ties out. Robert Prongay did indeed serve in the United States military. Koklinski had to have learned of cyanide and freezing bodies somewhere because we know he does it. Right. So he, somebody had to have given them this. And remember, this is a person who wasn't that studious when he was in school and stopped going to school in eighth grade. So... His knowledge about chemistry is probably pretty limited
0: so what is the um, benefit though to the police to deny this like if he's admitting yeah. to it and he seems to know everything about it why would the police be like no sorry if, if they
3: said why yes reason, right so. they'd have to investigate Or admit they blew
2: it. A lot of it has to do with admitting you blow it. A lot of it has to do with if you're still investigating other crimes that somebody like Mm -hmm. Kuklinski might have been involved in, but other members of the Gambino family, you don't necessarily want to tell the Gambinos what you already know. So you kind of try and keep in this kind of stuff like, yeah, we don't listen to this guy. We don't believe a word that comes out of his mouth. So there's a little bit of that. There's also the fact that there were a lot of crooked detectives, which we're also going to talk about. So you may not want Kuklinski talking about some of the de- things that he knew was going on that law enforcement might have been fully aware of that the Gambinos were doing. Okay. So it's kind of like... There's a lot of reasons for it but you know you remember the Bulger had a guy who was in the FBI I think his name was Connolly yes. and he even tipped Bulger off on the location of people who might testify against him. Yeah. So oh, he's still in prison. He, he, he should be. He should yeah, never be let in out in yeah. my opinion but you know the, I mean you have members of law
3: enforcement doing things like that. So and New Jersey and New York City they were rightfully if ever or knew the story like Serpico and, and those policemen. Yep. It was just rife with corruption. Yep. The mafia had its hooks into everything, you know. The, so, all the five families, actually. This is another
2: thing that supports Kuklinski's kind of gang or mafia type thing. His stories about being unwilling to kill women and children. This is actually a common claim made by organized criminals. They say, oh, yeah, we'd never kill a woman or child. Of course they would, Mm -hmm. but they would never admit it. Now, the thing about if Prongay had actually asked him to kill a woman or child, though, he wouldn't have been able to do it because if word ever got up the ladder of the Gambinos, at best, the Gambinos are never going to associate with him again. Mm -hmm. So if you kill a woman or child and you want to work with the Gambinos, it better have come from, you know either carlo gambino or but by this time it would have been paul castellano yeah so yeah it should come from them directly uh or indirectly but it, sh- it has to come from like that level okay to kill a woman or child so
1: as a woman are you insulted by that
3: yeah
0: exactly equal opportunity yeah <laughs>
3: I'm thinking of Bugsy Siegel's girlfriend who stole all that mafia money. They would make some exceptions.
1: So when the police say he did do murders or didn't do murders, is
2: all that fact? Okay, so that that is a great question and you know, there is not a way to definitively say that the police are totally wrong and that the ones that they don't think he did, he didn't do. I tend to think that he and this is a matter of personal opinion, not a matter of fact. I think that he does embellish and he does exaggerate how many people he killed. But I do not believe law enforcement when they say he had no involvement and in things like the Dimeo crew and stuff like that. I think he did have some. He he exaggerates and, you know, we'll talk about next week. He talks about, for example, he says claims he was... Uh, there when they killed Jimmy Hoffa, I don't believe <laughs> no. that. But he makes a claim involving killing people with rats that we'll talk about next week. That is actually demonstrably false. So there oh, are you going to demonstrate?
3: I always thought well, I always thought that was a true story, but
2: so
1: the
3: so the rats we have to go over it. Yeah, the rats is well.
2: Yeah, we'll go we'll get into it next week. Yeah. But yeah. It's all right. No, it's alright. But let's talk about the ones that law enforcement convicted him on. And so and also acknowledges as one they never convicted him on that they acknowledge he did. So we'll go over that. So Kuklinski also had side gigs along with the selling of the illegal videos. He also has a small robbery operation going on. So he also starts to realize that, you know, if I promise to sell somebody goods and just kill them as opposed to giving the goods to them, then I can get the money and I can keep the goods for myself. So this is also something Kuklinski decides to start doing. George Malibrand was in the market for illegal videos. He had quite a large order. He wanted to obtain more than $25,000 of illegal video, blank illegal videos, from Kuklinski. Kuklinski agrees to meet him at a drop-off point. At the drop-off point, Kuklinski confirms that Malibrand has the money and turns around and shoots him six times. Then he places his body in an oil drum. To do so, he has to remove the victim's legs and he leaves the drum right next to the Chematex plant in new jersey it's discovered a week later and police begin to investigate we'll talk about more next week about how uh... kuklinski gets caught but this is the first time that the police are going to get the name of kuklinski when doing an investigation into a murder. Malibrand's brother told police that the last he knew, his brother was on his way to meet a man by the name of Richard Kuklinski. So, uh,
3: imagine Kuklinski had been killing people, what, three decades?
2: Several decades, yeah. Wow. So it says his first one was in 1949. Oh. Wow. So. <clears throat> then there's a pharmacist by the name of Paul Hoffman. And he wants a supply of prescription drugs, Tagamint, which I believe is actually some sort of uh, diabetes drug, I'm not sure. No, Tagamint,
0: I think it's... it's, it's I can it's look it up. Stomach, yeah. I think.
2: Tagamin, so... I don't know. But he basically thinks that if he could get some black market tagment, he can sell it for a huge profit. Koklinski agrees to meet him in an alley. it's, it's an antacid. Yeah, that's what An it's antihistamine it. and an antacid. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. he was, yeah. like, so fighting
3: for... yeah. yeah. He's Upset sitting,
0: tummies. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, antihistom- I mean, on would the black market. Yeah,
2: I don't know. Well like oh, maybe he made market, mess with yeah. it
0: or something. I don't
2: know, or maybe it wasn't approved yet.
3: A Combine
2: that with a Mr. Softy. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, so yeah, I always thought it was weird that he was looking for this black market like prescription.
0: Tums.
2: (laughs) Something you would think of as a black market drug, but of course, I've never been like interested in opening my own black market pharmacy. So I mean, maybe you do have to have like Advil, my doll. It's like.
0: That's right. <laughs> to appeal to a large audience. Yes. It's a sound business plan.
1: Right. So, Tom's um, the
0: gateway. <laughs> Tom's is a gateway drug. It is.
2: To my doll. <laughs> So, But anyways, Paul Hoffman wants $25,000 worth. And so he meets... Kuklinski in a alleyway and basically shows Kuklinski the money and says, okay, now where's the product? And Kuklinski says, oh, there's no product. And he puts a gun under his chin and fires it. Then he goes to shoot him again because the man's not quite dead yet. So he basically... The gun starts to jam on him, so he goes into his car, he gets a tire iron and beats Paul Hoffman to, again stuffs the guy into an oil drum Now, in his interviews, he actually says that he put this body in the oil drum and then let the oil drum basically right over by a diner where he liked to eat his lunch and he'd go down there. You know, every day for the next couple weeks, and nobody had taken the drum. And one day, he says the drum's just gone. No idea what happened to it. But Jesus! But
3: they had new menu. Spectacular. Kind of oily, but uh. ew.
2: But if you think that's bad, they're going to get worse. So Gary Smith (laughs) is actually in Kuklinski's burglary ring, and he's caught and arrested. And he actually agreed now to go inform it. The police release on him, release him on what appears to be house arrest, and Kuklinski arranges him to go live in a motel and tells him to lay low. One morning, Smith leaves, indicating he's going to go visit his sister, and this makes obviously Kuklinski realize that he's turned informant so when he returns kuklinski gives him a cheeseburger and that cheeseburger was laced with cyanide he has another person with him named daniel deppner daniel claims according to barbara deppner's testimony that he got impatient waiting for this guy to die so he just jumps on top of him they strangle him and they leave him <laughs> under the bed in a motel and they just leave the motel room now there's guests in the motel for the next few days, and it takes nearly a week for anybody to actually realize.
0: Well, Jersey does smell really it's bad like, Yeah, that's
2: all I could think of. With like, nobody smelled the dead bug. Like, it actually smells better in here than it does outside.
3: <laughs> all the women are going, man, you need a shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> must be a That's
0: nice hotel.
3: So you can't weird. even tell when there's a
2: dead
0: body. <laughs> on the That's so weird. So <laughs> gross. So, now,
2: Meet the Parents. It's a real funny movie, and it depicts the m- misadventures of a young man trying to impress a difficult potential father-in-law. But richard patterson who is the fiance of kuklinski's daughter goes away on vacation during that time richard kuklinski had a key to his apartment so when mr patterson returned he found that kuklinski had been using his apartment there's you know pizza boxes everywhere and they have a dead body to get rid of so i was like oh come on so (laughs) kuklinski tells him that this dead body was a guy that probably owed somebody money, so he let him hang out there, and they must have, you know, found found him and come in and killed him. <laughs> so, he tells Patterson that he has to help him. It's best not to tell anybody, let's just take this uh, body, we'll throw it in a bunch of bags, we'll leave it somewhere, and yeah. somebody will eventually find it. Wow. Um, so, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like after you do that that, that's the time to say so can I call you dad (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah so this was the body of Daniel Deppner now this is Something to realize when you are a criminal and you work with other criminals and you help them commit a murder and you know that they've just committed a murder, expect that they will murder you, too. Right. Hold on. I'm mm-hmm. gonna so, write right down. It's
0: the old adage. So,
2: yeah, you, you don't get involved with people like a Klinsky's.
3: Like, I would never go in an alley with a guy.
0: <laughs> are you kidding?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a druggist. So I go in the alley with a <laughs>
2: So Lewis Masgay had been missing since nineteen eighty one.
1: What's up with these names? Prongay, Masgay. Yeah,
2: Masgay, yeah. Prongay, Deppner, yeah. His last known destination was to meet a man by the name of Richard Kuklinski to purchase illegal videotapes. But in September of nineteen eighty three, a discovery of his body is made in Orangetown, New York. Now this is several years later
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it appeared that he had just recently died. So the autopsy, they, they do what they call the Y incision, they cut your body mm. open, and they notice it's caked with ice. And this is where Richard Kuklinski gets the name, the Ice Man, because when they actually went to do the autopsy of this man, they cut him open, there's just ice all over so his gross. stuff. Because Kuklinski made a mistake here. He was right about freezing the body, he does throw off the time of death, but you have to let it completely thaw. It's like making a turkey on Thanksgiving. You can't just leave the ice mm-hmm. in there.
0: Is it like making a turkey <laughs> on Thanksgiving? I'm yeah. never going to look at that
3: turkey <laughs> <down>. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow.
1: No. It's, it's a lot of prep time. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, you gotta you got to let the thing thaw. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> he didn't leave it Tom thaw. How many the right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> (laughs)
2: Uh, You
1: You also got stuff it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, at any rate. Now I'm hungry. uh, Now you're hungry? (laughs) (laughs) He gets his nickname, the Iceman. Now, there's one more, excuse me. There's one more murder that he will be convicted of that law enforcement says he committed. So I'm going to go to that one. Now this happens after he becomes the suspect of this after he's in prison. And he talks about, he gives several interviews and he talks about killing a man by the name of Peter Calibro. Peter Calabro was a detective and he was believed to have been providing information to the Gambino family when Carlo Gambino was running it now carlo gambino died in i think the late 78 or 79 and his cousin paul castellano would inherit the boss position of the gambino organization it seems like when this happened peter calabro decides that he's going to probably go inform it this will won't get into too much right now about why People didn't trust Paul Castellano, but it was really he was he was just not the person cut out to run the Gambino family. Okay, so he's kind of trying to bail here.
3: Yeah, the Teflon Don had him done it.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was soft. soft. Yeah, he was soft. He was well. They he called was, him Mister Softy, and they <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and you see pictures of like Paul Castellano, and it's like, yeah, I could see him in, you know, a room full of Sammy Gravano's and DeMeos, and like, yeah, I'm the bad man here. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> So, but so, when people the in the Gambino organization had decided, uh, the other thing is, Calabro's wife had drowned couple years ago in unusual circumstances. So it's maybe a little bit of payback, but Calabro basically seems to want out, and they believe that he's going to get states' evidence against them. And Kalinske says he gets the order from Sammy Gravano, uh-huh. who at the time was basically just became a wise guy. But he, Garvano very quickly moves up to underboss. So he basically gets several promotions in a very short period of time. And he got extra benefits too, I believe he did.
0: (laughs) His family must be so proud.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But and so there's cooperation to the fact that Garvano may have been involved in this. So what Kuklinski says is that he was told to go, this was up in upstate New York area, snowing and he was told to ambush the victim. And so as the victim is driving home, Koklinski's basically waiting on the side of the road, and he's put his car in a weird location to kind of make it look like it's been stuck in the snow. And as the officer tries to get around him, he has to go obviously very slow, and Koklinski's basically just kind of standing there, hidden, ducked down, and once the car is slowly moving by, he just stands up and shoots him with a sawed-off shotgun. Oh, my God. Kuklinski's originally... Not charged with us, even though he confesses to it on tape. The first DA in New York says, oh, no, that that never happened. It definitely wasn't uh, Kuklinski that killed this man. He, this man was killed by his own brothers. Jesus. Uh, or his brother-in-law. It's so a basic DA saying, no, it's got to be his brother-in-law's because they were upset about the sister drowning. But then, change in DA's. And the new DA says, no, he knows too much information that you would not be able to know if you weren't the killer. So he charges Kuklinski. Kuklinski ends up pleading guilty to that. And they are going to charge Gravano with it, but Kuklinski eventually dies. So we'll get into that more next week. And we'll get into exactly how law enforcement ends up catching Kuklinski. Because you may be wondering... How is somebody killing people all over the place, just leaving the bodies wherever? Yeah. How does he manage to do this for this long without actually getting caught? So we'll we'll look at one, some of the reasons he didn't get caught as quickly as he should have. And we'll look at how they actually do catch And we'll talk about, you know, what happens to him after. And we'll talk a little more about... The Koklinski tapes themselves next week. Oh, I think. Super.
0: Cool. Yeah, that yeah, sounds I really great. i looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah me too. This is a fun one, which yeah. sounds weird to say.
2: <laughs> this, is, this is more fun than ice cream. Right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Hi, <laughs> <Hey>, kids. <laughs>
1: Second, I thought the reason he was Iceman was because of the ice cream. But. Uh-huh.
2: No, it was, uh, it was because of the frozen, <laughs> like, because it feels so weird to be like the, the part the coroner there cutting, like, what the <laughs>
0: <fuck>? <laughs> all right. Well, that was really fun. Looking forward to next week when yeah. Dave finishes up the story of the Iceman, and then Steve, do you know what we're moving on to after that?
1: Yep, so I plan on doing something on, uh, she's. she was named uh, Jolly Jane. She was like a, a nurse back in the day, I think in the 20s. And she was responsible for a lot of killings. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll be
0: doing cool. something on that. That sounds fun too. All right, well, we hope you keep listening and we hope you guys have a great week. Bye. See you next week. Bro.